Well, be prepared for a long one, everybody, because Rashad is going to jump on a high horse. <laughs> okay. What, what are we going to talk? I have no idea. What What is it going to be? Welcome to the Weekly Hook, everybody, the show where one of us, in this case me, knows what we're going to talk about and the other is left in the dark. That's me. Some programming reminders. Um, I have no idea what's coming down the pipeline, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just skip that part. <laughs> Whatever, who cares? Uh, um, um, I guess with that said, let's get to it. I have no transitions because I should have prepared, but there's so much to talk about today. I'm not going to waste time as I'm currently wasting time by blabbing. So, Okay. This is, this is really like not helping the tension, but okay. What do you mean? Not helping by, is it building it up further and further? It is prolonging it, but it also it also takes something off because it's like okay, this is not like it's not a an upward trend I would say. But please tell us what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, there's no real actual thing. So today we're going to talk about uh, an event that I attended uh, between, and it's kind of late actually since we're talking about this in December. But between um, this October 24th and November 2nd. And that is the Tokyo International Film Festival of 2022. Ah, nice. I forgot that this would be a potential topic for you. That's, oh my God, yes. I, I uh, dear listener... Please settle in. You and I we're just going to talk we're going to listen to Rashad talk about movies for a long time. Isn't that what we always do? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but uh, you know, we haven't talked about movies in a while, at least not as much as we used to in the beginning. I guess that's a good point. We have talked about a lot of TV shows recently, but I'm excited to talk about some television. Oh, some movies. God, that's a Freudian slip if I've ever heard of one. <laughs> I mean, Let's be clear. Specifically, you have talked a lot about TV shows if it's not for Serially Hooked. <laughs> That's a great point. Let's be honest. I just talk so much about television because I love television, but I also love film. And it's something that I think really gets lost in the weeds recently. And I mean, that's indicative of an industry at large because a lot of the best artists of, and filmmakers have been moving towards television recently. But I think... Unlike a lot of people who have been bemoaning the state of cinema as of late, I think that there is a fervent art cinema um, culture out there. And that's indicative of the quality and diversity of films that is coming out of film festivals around the world. And now because I'm able to, you know, now because I'm living in Tokyo, I am able to, if that, I mean, if that's a surprise to anyone, surprise, I'm living in Tokyo. If not, um, you just know that for now. But because I'm living here now, I was able to attend the International Film Festival here. And what a joy it was, Chris. It was two weeks of going to movies every single day. And it was just a great way to experience film and a culture around uh, and a community around filmmaking that is it, you can only really capture at a film festival because of all the people that come, the, the assembly of directors and actors and all of them that come on the stage. You get to talk to them. You get to interact with them. And it, it really reminded me again how much I love cinema and going to films in a way that is just so much more meaningful than um, just going to see the latest you know blockbuster hit just to kind of catch up on what's happening on a plot-based system. So such a great movie, such a great, um, you know, collection of films um, from all over the world that had highlighting a number of different directors and actors that I had obviously never heard of because this is the beauty of film festivals, especially like um, ones that are based internationally. And if you're not the, one of the big three, uh, if you're not talking about like TIFF or Sundance or Cannes or these like big film festivals, um, you're kind of like you're really getting into some of the other like uh, you know, nitty gritty of international film. And that's just an incredible thing. And the Tokyo Film Festival this year, um, after having been suspended because of COVID, um, was an absolute, uh, you know, festival, I guess, for lack of a better term. And uh, <laughs> it's just great. I'm not jealous at all. I'm just going to say this. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy for you, but I, I, I'm not, not uh, hoping that I would have been part of that or any other film festival in the in the 
last year at all. So um, yeah, I'm just yeah okay cool. <laughs> well, uh, Chris, uh, keep a, keep an eye out for the film festival coming near you um, in the upcoming months. So I think you should take yeah. a look at that coming down the pipeline because it'll be really exciting for you to go to your local um, film festival as well. Absolutely, planning on it. So. As for the film festival, I'm actually going to talk a little bit. I'm just going to talk about the movies that I saw um, at this film festival and just kind of go through them one by one because I don't really know other a better way to do this. Um, but well, that sounds like a plan. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I guess that's the only way to do it. And without further ado, just to get get everyone settled, I'm going to be talking about. Actually, I never counted them. Hold on, one second. I'm going to be talking about nine films. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Okay, cool. I'll keep it short, as short as I can. So the first film. Okay, so. Okay, I don't know how to do this. Um, I think I'm just going to go film by film instead of previewing all the films and then going back to watch them or to talk about them. But and there will be a lot of page flipping in this because I have to go through so many pages of notes uh, back and forth between all this (laughs) stuff. But here we are. Okay, so the first film we're going to talk about today is a film called Nezu. And it was in the youth um, directors uh, segment of the film festival, and the the youth film the youth films are as follows. I mean, this is coming from the the film festival's pamphlet of information, where it says TIFF Teens selects from a roster of highly acclaimed international film festival entries to showcase youth focused films that are sure to inspire the participating high school students. TIFF children presents classics with live performances in teens meet cinema middle and high school students make films and present the results on the screen so i watched two films from the tiff teens section which highlights teenage directors um basically with their world premieres of their films and the first film that i watched was called nazur which was um a uk syria france joint uh production directed uh, by um, Sudad Kadan. I don't know how to pronounce that name. I wish I did, actually. Um, oh, yeah. So Sudad Kadan, t- in this film, as it is explained in the pamphlet, tells an allegorical tale of female emancipation where hope is born out of chaos. A great tagline to a film to get started wow. with. <laughs> yeah i'm just like that alone in all the films to select you kind of just read the little like taglines and you're just like oh my god i want to watch that i need to watch it so um mm. such a great beginning uh the film is set in uh, war-torn syria so modern day syria um i mean we all know the situation that's going there and just the 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 discovery of uh femininity and youth uh, within from within a family context there about this family who's is getting their home destroyed and them trying to flee or debating about whether or not to flee or stick to their home is just an incredible journey throughout the entire uh, film set in a set in a setting that we often hear um, referenced in film and on film in news or whatever it may be. Oh my God, this is a terror, terror, terrorist attack in Syria or like more people killed in Syria or whatever it may be. And, I think that this sh- this movie does such a great job of grounding the society and grounding, you know, the life in a in a space that we only really hear about and we never really take the time to think about what that means for the local people. And um, I think there are so many different themes in this. Like, I think the, how it portrays the world as full of rubble, but actually builds homes within that. I think that was an incredible way. Even like the frames of the shots, how they're done. It, it has this thing where the director um, loves, I think a little bit too much in my mind, but in some days, some ways it's done with effect. These spinning camera shots around the characters as they kind of do different things. And there isn't like the, you know, the typical, oh my God, we're going to kiss as a climactic thing and it spins around us. But I think it uses it actually quite well in so many ways. Um, I think that, internal family dynamics between the mother, the father, and the daughter when this the core of the family, I think is I think it's just a great reflection on a few things. One, um, the negative effect that toxic mas- masculinity could have on a family and how that 
has sends ripple effects to in this case the mother and the daughter who are affected by this i think the mother of this in this film is an absolute great standout performance i think she's absolutely incredible here um martaz is who's the neighbor the next door neighbor uh friend who comes in is i think a great uh breath of fresh air of funniness that comes uh into the show into the movie as well it's a beautiful coming of age story um within the hopelessness and the worst situations you can imagine it has these beautiful dream sequences as well of the sea and of like dreaming of you know the sea as this metaphor of freedom and a goal to reach and this vast space of purity and this dreaming of water i think is an incredible theme that comes throughout the show especially because it's set in syria which is notoriously quite dry and sandy and has has a lack of rainfall so this idea of 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 um you know water as the savior of this freedom in a way was it's an absolute incredible thing and it's something that they struggle with throughout the film getting water in and of itself so water is this is a beautiful theme throughout the show or throughout the film i keep saying show as if i'm watching talking about television show, <laughs> yeah i think that's just uh, you know, just goes to show how much your mind has been on TV in the last mo few months. Uh, yeah. This has happened to you quite a lot. And uh, yeah, I think, it, you know, no surprise from my side, honestly, but it just, it happens. It happens. It's like TV is your preferred medium as we have, as you have discovered actually on our um, 64 questions for Rashad episode. Uh, in which you had to decide between TV and movies in a gut reaction. And you said TV and were shocked by it. But I think what has happened in the last few months definitely uh, underlines that. Yeah, I'm still shocked by it. We should re-release that. That was a while <laughs> ago. So people should check that sure. out if they haven't. Um, so I think some cons from this film. Um, I think... Oh, man, I can't read my notes. <laughs> Uh, I think there could have been a so some subplots that come into the show. I think they could have. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil anything, of course. But I think Thanks. they should have. They could have brought some of the subplots earlier up in the show. I think that there are some emotional things that could have been more throughout the the the, the show, uh, the movie. God, okay. <laughs> Rashad, we're talking about movies today. We're not talking about <laughs> television shows. Okay. So I think that uh, some of these subplots would have been more affecting if they kind of were an emotional through point throughout the movie, not only through the not near the end. Um, I think that there was there's a redemption near the end that I think comes a little rushed. I'm not really a big fan of that. Um, some characters have less closure. I'm wondering what's happening there. And I think that developing some of the side characters would have been nice. Some space for that I think would have been really good. So. Overall, it's a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I am very excited to talk about it. And I'm very excited for the prospect of you seeing this film. So if you do, I get to see it. Um, I guess, you know, we'll see. But uh, it's a great film. I'd really highly recommend it. And I guess we'll move on to the next one on our list, which I saw the next day. Because every single day <laughs> in this film festival, I was going to watch movies. It's the dream, it, honestly. I know, right? It was... Okay. So a two-week span in which I was like working all day and then after going to watch a movie. Working all day, going to watch a movie. What an incredible life. I loved it mm -hmm. so much. <laughs> now just imagine just watching movies all the time. Just like as movie critic or like TV critic would be your thing. I, well, I you know, I just wish I liked... I don't know. We'll see. Why? Whatever. <laughs> just, I, I just love <laughs> these things so much. And yeah. I think one of the things that I realized also is the power of cinema for me. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would have watched any of these films if I just had to watch them at home. Yeah, absolutely. And going to the cinema as it was so, somewhat of a ritual in a way was just so like relaxing and nice and really made me feel special in those moments. So yeah, it's, it's great. Great way to do it. So and the next film that we're going to talk about today is called A Light Never Goes Out, a film from Hong Kong. And this was actually the world premiere of this film. So it was really cool to see. And this Ooh. was from the Asia Future section. So the Asia Future section of the film festival was, and I'll describe this. So the Asian Future is a competitive section that features up-and-coming Asian directors 
who have directed no more than three feature-length films. All 10 films competing in the section will have their highly anticipated world premieres. So this is a little bit different than the previous TIFF teen section. So we have like, we're moving up in age one bracket in terms of directors. <laughs> but I think that this film, what an incredible movie. Absolutely beautiful. Um, I think it feels grounded in Hong Kong. This nostalgic grief, story of grief. Um, but before I kind of go into my thoughts about the film, I'll kind of read the tagline of the movie. And that is, devastated by the loss of her skilled neon sign making husband, a wife decides to carry on his unfinished dream of making neon signs. That's it. Mm. <laughs> Quite short. Wow. It's a cool premise. Um, the neon signs in this absolutely ring true. The beauty of the visuals mm -hmm. of the colors that you know we imagine when we think of the older times of cities were absolutely it's uh, so beautiful. And I think one of the cool things about this is that it marries grief of loss with nostalgia and nostalgia mm -hmm. of a past bygone time and one of the beautiful things about going to a film festival is that you are able to get the the meetings of these films directly from the horse's mouth so we got um in the q a section afterwards um i think they they talked about uh, the meaning of this and trying to capture the past of Hong Kong and bring about questions of grief and loss and how we felt like, you know, Hong Kong has been losing itself. And this is mm -hmm. a message of bringing Hong Kong to the past and bringing Hong Kong to a greater era of a time that, you know, they, they, you know, saw as, as, you know, positive in a way, I guess. So I think the score of this film has is a standout. I think something that you would love, of course, <laughs> the, the mm. last song of this film really captures so much here. Um, I think the it's so funny. The entire theater, everyone around me, I guess except for me because I'm a robot, we're just in tears the entire time. <laughs> and I don't know what that says about me, but um, I could just like is kind of annoying actually by the end. But you know, that's a little side note. But um, <laughs> everyone is crying, so I guess you can get the sense of the, the 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 tone of this film to a certain extent. How dare dare Rashad? I just picture you in the uh, cinema. It's like. How dare you all cry, ruining know, right? my uh, <laughs> my experience of this beautiful movie? Actually, more like me would just to have a bag like of tissues to be di and distributing to everyone. That's honestly. true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, this is a great story of grief, uh, a family, and standout performance by oh no, what is her name? Ah, <laughs> uh, I guess Cecilia is the daughter uh, in the in the film. I forget the actor's name. I apologize for that. But uh, she is an absolute stud in this film. Everyone in this. The Mother is also a great film, uh, a great actor as well. So it's just wonderful, wonderful cast, wonderful director um, by Anastasia Song, her first film here. Um, and it's her first full full film, full feature film or feature length film. God, I can't speak today. This is a real big problem. If I can't speak and I'm doing a weekly hook. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but alas great film um a light never goes out uh and i just really highly recommend it and this is a, it's a beautiful beautiful ode to grief ode to love and ode to um family and the beauty combined with the beauty of the neon lights in the in the urban landscape absolutely incredible mm. so all right and that brings us to our next film which is called kaimak kaimak is actually a um, a Balkan soft cheese. Absolutely delicious if you get the chance to eat it. But um, this film was set in Macedonia and it's in this time, this film is in the main competition series. So the competition for best film, best actor, all the above from, mm -hmm. from in, in the series. And um, this film, um, its tagline is new film by Manchevsky, golden line winner for Before the Rain, an ensemble comedy set in a housing complex in Skopje, North Macedonia. Um, the title is the name of a dessert in Turkey and the Balkans. So that's all that it gives. It's a quite dark comedy, uh, exploration mm -hmm. of uh, sex and love and these socioeconomic differences within Skopje and how like um, the rich have um, been um, taking over the city and and trampling over and using the poor for their own needs. Um, this kind of... Uh, I think there's a lot in this film uh, that are, is really interesting. Uh, and also, you know, speaking of what the director had to say, I think 
uh, they kind of they were more of a uh, what do I say uh, more of a experienced director so they answered a little bit better they talked about mm-hmm. uh, the inspiration for this film talking uh, creating a love story for adults and he's saying he said that basically creating this film was a reaction to the typical Hollywood love story and he wants to really tell it like it is and how situations are not as uh, clean and 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 uh, nice in a way uh, as like a love at a Hollywood tends to make it seem he wanted to quote lift the mask of the face of the hypocrisy of hollywood films uh, so wow. he has a really anti-hollywood uh, mentality with this film yeah. um i think he i mean in terms of the cast uh, they were asked what what brought them to the film and they were they said basically that the script was funny and that this the kind of they were surprised that this kind of director would try to write a comedy because he's not known for comedic work and that's why that brings the dark mm-hmm. comedy tone to this i think that also one thing that um the actors liked is that they wanted to explore the taboo of love um um i guess maybe not love in and of itself but under uh I guess alternative forms of love. I guess the, the taboo of it and bringing that to the screen and exploring that uh, heavily was a was a was a motivation for some of the cast to join it. Um, I think there are a, a lot of things that are interesting about this, including some of those themes. But in my mind, many of the I think this the movie missed for me on a lot of ways. And I hate talking about things that mm-hmm. I don't like. Uh, actually, I do like talking about things I don't like, <laughs> but. <laughs> Not when they're, you know, uh, not the biggest thing in the world like Star Wars where you can just crap on it for no reason. Yeah. Uh, crap on it without without uh, consequence. But I think this film missed on a lot of its humor. I think um, it also missed on showing what it actually meant to sh- demonstrate. I think there are some... Um, how do I say? Um, characters with certain traits that I think don't add up and i think that they're uh i think to a certain extent they try to do too much by telling so many parallel stories where i think that it could have brought out more depth to the characters it focused on instead so i think in many ways this this movie missed that's unfortunate because i think that the director had some good things in mind and there is some good and interesting um alternative narratives that are brought up in this movie but in all things all things considered i think it was one of the weaker films that I saw during this uh, uh, this run. So, you know, not everything's a, that not everything's a great hit, but this is what happens when you go and watch movies that are premiering for the first time. Mm-hmm. Not everything can be a banger. That's for sure. That's for sure. But our next film, whoo! <laughs> what a lovely film! I loved it so much. I'm so happy to talk about this one because of all the films that I was going to see when I was planning this, this film is one I really, really, really wanted to see just based on like the the teaser and the description. And mm-hmm. now with this film, we go back to the Asia future section, which is the younger directors um, and wasn't in the main competition because it was a younger person. And what a movie. It was called The Chord of Life, um, a movie that was set in Inner Mongolia. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read the description as I do <laughs> with The Chord of Life and I'll get into <laughs> my thoughts a little bit. So Alus... An electronic musician takes his mother, who is suffering from dementia, and they begin to live together in her steppe homeland. The film debut by Chao Siyu uh, from Inner Mongolia. What an incredible film. This film, the shots, uh, the way it captured, okay, when I close my eyes and think about how this film captured the beauty of the nature of Inner Mongolia, it is it just it gives me goosebumps every time. The and also like it, the, the relationship between him and his mother and the rest of the family and how they come together, I thought was absolutely incredible. It really captured some of the the devastation of also Alzheimer's as or dementia as a as a disease, as well as the humor of it sometimes, which is kind of ironic. You don't really think about, but sometimes there are humorous moments in there. But also like mm. how other people treat those with dementia and how that what that reveals about the characters themselves because you know obviously they come into contact with other people throughout the show uh, throughout the movie god damn it i did it again um <laughs> throughout the movie and i think it it is what an incredible journey uh, this movie has and i think it is 
it's some it's in my mind some you could summarize it by especially with relation to dementia by the duality of cruelty and love and those two things coming together were absolutely incredible i think this movie was is also as much of a journey as the mother and the son who end up going into the step and going on a journey through nature that really just is so metaphorical in the way that they interact with different things. And then the son going on this journey of trying to find his family, learning to let go, going through all of that. Um, and it's, it's also mainly um, not shot with uh, Mandarin based actors. Most of the actors are actually from Inner Mongolia and speak a local dialect. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's another kind of bringing about the world. So one of the things I love about movies and television shows in a way, shows and movies that bring us into a world and capture a wide array of perspectives and ideas and make us feel grounded in a space, whether that's through nature, through people, through whatever it is. And this movie is an absolute gem for doing this. I think with that said, the first third of the movie need work. I think um, the main character's brother and his wife, I think they could have been developed further. Um, I think that there's some relations there that are more could be brought to the forefront a lot, but I just found this film incredible. Um, the director was um, studied uh, studied cinema in France, so they have a little bit of this French influence in the way that they film this movie. Um, I think the the director was asked about a Mongolian language film and depicting the ethnic group, and I think that the director responded really well to that question saying how um, it is about depicting the world itself and nothing's more important mm. than language in doing that. And um, the director's mother tongue is, is, is Mongolian and conveying that to convey the emotion through all these characters was only really possible doing it in the local language because doing it in Mandarin, which although it could have been more received, more well-received, or more, you know, widely received, I think would be a disservice to demonstrating and representing that community. So an incredible way to do that. Um, it is somewhat self-biographical. Um, no, actually, no, never mind. Uh, I think it's just because when asked why the director chose the theme, they asked, they they responded um, about remembering their own mother while they were studying abroad and wanting to connect with them and losing that relationship and wanting to build a bridge to mm-hmm. being with their mother. And um, in in a way that this film was a film for the director's mother and for Inner Mongolia as a whole. Also, of course, I have to shout out the score to this film. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, the best part of it, in my mind, was the cinematography, the shots of the step that I mentioned many times before. Um, it's a, That enough is enough to make you want to see this film. Um, there are some moments where the acting could be better. Uh, I think that... Uh, I, I don't know about acting and writing. The, the, the two work together so much. Um, there's actually a theory in which act, that says that actors are actually not that important, but we can you know debate that for another day. Um, <laughs> but in this case, I think the actors do need a little bit of work. Um, there is a little bit of a love story undercurrent here, which I think kind of is a little bit too convenient in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the biggest meaning of the film that I think is amazing is the idea of letting go, finding oneself through the journey. Um, and just be- learning to become a child again in some ways and and then connect with the family to find yourself. And I think that was amazing. I was just in awe of so much of this film. And um, I think it did, it did things very differently than most films. So um, you should definitely check this one out. The Chord of Life, a film set in Inner Mongolia. What an incredible film. Um, I'd really recommend this one. It's on my list. <laughs> All right. On to the next one. Next day. We're going day by day. We're going through my adventure of yeah. uh, at the Tokyo Film Festival. So worth it. Is this is this the uh, number four or number five? We're, the, we're at number five now. Okay. I believe. There we go. Hold on. One second. One, two, three, four, five. Yes, we're on number five. So now mm-hmm. we go to the main competition section again. And I'm kind of jumping between this. I thought about whether not to do this through which competition I watched it in or whatever i'd like doing it chronologically just so that we can all experience my tokyo international film festival experience together (laughs) 
So the number fifth film, the number fifth, the number five film that I watched in the main competition section was 1976. <clears throat> the film 1976 depicts Chile under the Pinochet regime. Uh. Carmen is asked by a priest to shelter a young man and she agrees, but this will change her life drastically. 1976 depicts quiet terror under the dictatorship. Directed by uh, Manuela Martelli and starring Aline Kuppenheim, who actually did win Best Actress um, in this uh, series for this for her role in this film. Uh, Nicolas Sepulveda and Hugo Medina. I should have been doing this for all the films. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll start from now. Okay. A lot of good things about this film. I I thought it was... So, okay, a couple things that we have to start with. So we're going to start with an interview that came out in the TIFF Times. There was a daily newsletter that was circulated throughout the film festival taught with the director reflecting on certain questions. And one of the things that she focused on is how um, the depression that features or that many people face within this context of dictatorship is not an isolated incident, but is contextual within the, con- the text that a person lives and how the Pinochet era and the director... Uh, permeated every aspect of society and that is what the director wanted to convey the what director wanted to convey how totalitarianism and dictatorship is not only a political thing or something that happens in the public space but it impacts the daily lives and the internal dynamics of each and every household and in how she said it i should actually just quote her because she writes it's about how the political context penetrated the domestic space and that's the theme that really goes about this movie, as we have in 1976, um, an average Chilean, um, maybe not average, uh, a wealthy-ish Chilean housewife dealing with uh, the depression and struggle of living under the Pinochet regime and everything about this. So, first of all, what about what a great film <laughs> to begin with. Um, obviously, 1976 was the, br- the most brutal year of the Pinochet regime, with thousands and thousands of people killed. Um, I really like this film personally. I think it has so much tension throughout it. I like how you actually never see Pinochet or Pinochet's direct arm. It's all in their head and it's all in the the aura of the movie, but you actually never get to see it on screen. And it just goes to show how pervasive um, dictatorship and totalitarianism can be in this space. Um, I loved how there's multiple, multiple generations of the family Con, uh, contem- not contemporaneously, but basically contemporaneously at the same time being depicted and their relationships with one another and how this one woman struggles with dealing with her her external struggle that um, as well as the internal family dynamics at the same time. Um, I, I like it really this movie made me think a lot. I think that um, there is some negatives like the passage of time. I think it's sometimes hard to follow. Um, and you can do it, uh, but the t- but to to combat that, the film does a really unique thing where they set the main house that they're staying in with a they're doing some renovations or construction with it, and it is subtly through the construction process that you get to see time passing. But I think in the way that the scenes go, and especially if you're not at the house, um, you don't really know how long is passing, what season it is, what's going on, how long is the whole story. These kinds of things can be a little bit jarring to a certain extent but i think that um the there's a lot of things that this film does well and to begin with i'll talk about when the director was asked about why she chose a specific topic this is in the in the post screening q a she says quote she wanted to look at or i want to look at history from a woman's perspective i think that was a really good poignant perspective um obviously we we know um there's a lack of um you know equal voices in terms of how we look at history and all that stuff. Um, so uh, bringing about the domestic sphere and this specific woman's role in in, in her vision and view of history, uh, especially at such a turbulent time, was really uh, important, I think. I mean, it sounds really fascinating. Yeah, it's such a great film. I really recommend... I mean, yeah, my, from my tone of my voice, you can really hear it. Um, I think... One of the things that was she was also asked was the role of the church because the church also plays a very prevalent part of society in mm-hmm. Chile, obviously, but also in this movie. And um, 
it really was that the church was had a huge role in finding people who were, you know, disappeared, quote unquote, by the Pinochet regime, basically killed or murdered or, or, or taken away. And they played a large role in the refuge process. So the church's role in this movie sort of mimics and mirrors the role of the, that it did play during the Pinochet regime. Um, and I think that was a really interesting way to think about, you know, religion, not only as, you know, a, a deity based system, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, uh, but this uh, place of refuge in a time of uh, of terror under the Pinochet regime. But also what's interesting is that notably, as I mentioned, this is a wealthy family and there was a privilege plays a large role in this in this because there's intersections of different privileges and 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 tranches of society within the main conflict of this film so as she is tasked to um, shelter a young man this young man is from a very different privileged background so really this wealthy woman is interacting with not only um, a different or um, subversive part of society but also a lower tranche of society that she doesn't really get at interacting with and her life as a privileged woman um, living in a like you know richish household, is really put to the forefront in in the contradictions of her life, and I think that the director called it quote the ambiguity of contradictions of privilege, and I think that was a really interesting way to think about um, uh, of privilege in a society like this, and how um, despite she wanted despite the fact that she wanted to help them, um, and, and no sorry her decision to uh, act in solidarity with this young man was despite the differences of privilege and in the face of those uh, of those uh, di discrepancies or differences. So it's such a great film. I think there are other really interesting small notes like the questions of being a foreigner in Chile, whether or not that, uh, you know, amounted to, to safety or not. Um, I think it also showed different level of... Um, you know, detail with the color design and its symbolism with the opening shots of uh, there's this paint mixing opening shot um, connected to the renovations that I mentioned earlier. And that also comes full circle with the family and there's like symbolism with it as well. Um, these colors bring out this organic mix of color. It's just incredible um, things from the beginning. And I think one thing that she, the director mentioned about the music and she talks about how the, the music helps to really build the tension. And one thing, it was used specifically as a method for building tension and um, terror in a way that is phys physical. You can feel it inside of you, but no one else can see it. And I think that using the tension with the camera so well to convey how one can feel terror, one can feel stress but it is invisible to everyone around them except for you. I think it was really captivating and brought you into the film and into the characters in the main character's head so, so, so well. So great movie. I really recommend. This is one of the top films for sure that I watched throughout the entire um, uh, film festival. My watch list just gets longer and longer. <laughs> On to the next one. The next one is called The Lump in My Heart. And if I find the page, there it is. This one is in the section of Nippon Cinema Now. So Nippon Cinema Now selects from Japanese recent releases this past year, films it deems imperative to introduce to international audiences. In addition, in memory of director Aoyama Shinji, who passed away in March of this year, two of his best-known works will be screened. The movie that I'm talking about will not be one of his films, but... Uh, a lump, the Lump in My Heart, does come from Japan, released in 2022, depicts, or sorry, the film delicately portrays a young girl who struggles with the success, sudden discovery of juvenile breast cancer and her complicated relationship with her mother. It was directed wow. by Matsumara Shingo and starring Yoshida Mizuki, Tokiwa Takako, and Maeda Atsuko. Okay. So this film, I think, was had a really a lot of interesting um, points to it. Really good humor, uh, really good you know relationship between mother and daughter. Uh, I think that it is was it really brought you into Wakayama. Wakayama was the region in Japan this movie was shot. I think it captured really this mundaneity of small town Japan Japan life. 
uh, and you know this this life of going to school coming home living with family the struggles of living with family wanting to emancipate yourself this girl is a you know an 18 19 year old in college still living with at home because that is what you do in japan and i think this relationship between tragedy you know finding out this news that you have breast cancer dealing with that in spite of your family in some ways and who takes control in the reins is it the mother is it the daughter this that all tied in with young love and adolescence and these parallel loves that are all happening at the same time uh i think really question youth relationships and what is the role of parents and children in the face of something that is absolutely traumatic and life-changing so i thought this was a really interesting film uh, i think that there was a lot going on in it um but unfortunately I don't think it was visually great. I think it was visually fine. It didn't really stand out that much. I think that um, there were, you know, some things nice to watch, some nice messages about family and adolescence, uh, but I don't think it, I think it was overdone in some ways. I think the acting was overdone in a lot of ways. This happens in Japanese movies a lot where acting can be, uh, if, if not careful, can be in your face a little bit too much. Um I, I is very interesting because this movie dealt with obviously with breast cancer so the metaphor of of breasts in general as a symbol of femininity and um I think that there's an interesting message underneath there because losing you know potentially having a um you know having to lose your breasts to surgery is is it really you know akin to losing one's femininity and this young girl dealing with the struggle of this uh, potentially having to deal with that I think is really interesting but I think they took it too far in some ways. I think, I mean, when you get to the point where some characters are just randomly touching each other's breasts, you're just like, um, what? This is a little strange. So I think there <laughs> are things where this movie's good. Um, but I think it really falls a little short in terms of what I want it to do with its messaging and how it, how it um, struggles to convey or it is over the top in some ways. And then it under, it's really a little too understated in others. So, um, I think it's a little bit awkward in other moments as well. Like some, you know, it does the classic thing where um, there's a love triangle and the two two members of the love triangle are kissing and the other person just happens to walk by while they're shopping and turns around a corner and through an alleyway, they see them kissing and then they're like, you know, oh my God, they did it. You know, <laughs> I hate that kind uh -huh. of crap. This like yeah. serendipity worst kind of thing ever that just never really happens, you know? <laughs> so it's just, I think it was just, I think when, when films divert from the normal logic of reality, I mean, I guess we love Star Wars, so we can't really say that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but there are ways to go about building attention and climaxes. And I think that this one was a little bit, uh, you know, not for me in, in some ways. So it, mm -hmm. it was, I fell a little short. Um, I, if I would recommend this film, I'd probably kind of put it on the fence, maybe towards no, don't watch it. But um, it's not a hard yes and not a hard no whether or not you should watch this film uh, because it does mm -hmm. bring a lot to the table. All right, so on to the next one. All right, we're we're blowing <laughs> through these forty-five minutes yeah. in, and uh, uh, <laughs> we got three more left to go. Let's do it. All right. All right, so back to the teen section of the film. We are now going to talk about The Water, um, a Spanish production directed by Elena Lopez Riera. And the film is Elena Lopez Riera draws from the legends of her Spanish village to conjure the enchantment and sensuality of adolescence in a tale of a young woman's awakening and resistance. Okay. Is there is there a lot of touching of breasts in this one as well? Or no, thankfully. <laughs> I mean I mean okay. you do you. Everyone has their right to do whatever they want, but uh, you know, this film is I think um in some ways an improvement on the previous film, in some ways uh, similar in to the previous film. Not similar in terms of uh, what happens, but similar in terms of its yeah. quality level, I think. Um I love slight magical realism. I love that kind of thing and oh, the embrace yeah. of magic. Uh, so, I mean, both of us love magical realism as a whole. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think that this film does something really well there. Uh, I think legends about the river and this generational conflict, I think is really fascinating. 
um, how the grandmothers are kind of bringing together these ideas of of magical rivers and things like that. So I think that was really fun. Um, I think that seeing the same road every single day was like a theme throughout this movie. So it talks about the passage of time and how things change. And I think this like it is really wrapped up in a lot of like small town, I guess Spanish life in this way and, um, and how one it mirrors the change of this adolescent woman going through this process. Um, the, this, I really, really actually like, while I think the previous films, mother daughter relationship was affecting, but also kind of one note, I think the mother daughter film in this was much more gray and nuanced and really interesting in this way. And the relationship also between three generations of women and men as a whole, um, and, you know, it's somewhat in dis- despise of men <laughs> to a certain extent, I think was really mm-hmm. interesting as well. Um, I think, yeah, this movie really in some ways um, was good. Um, I'm trying to think, I think that in some ways though, it lacked in developing Again, these things like side characters, like look at every single character and focus on them a little bit to give us more. And I think this one lacked there. Um, I think there was um, like in the end, some uh, scenes that kind of rushed. Uh, well, I do like the ending was at the end, the, the, there's a quote where the, the daughter basically accepts the fact that she is similar to her mother and that she's going to kind of live her life in a way that realizing the acceptance instead of rejecting, you know, the, the family legacy upon which she's living. Uh, but, and I think embracing one's legacy is a, is a very poignant message. Um, but I think it does come a little bit fast. Uh, there are parts that I really enjoyed and there's other parts in the movie, especially taught like scenes in the movie that I felt really dragged. And I think they could have spent more time with character development instead. Um, some of the mm-hmm. side characters, um were really one notes and especially her friend group i think they didn't really do much in in terms of coloring their relationship it more was just like here are these party teenagers who like to go and have fun that's it there wasn't more (laughs) interesting stuff to them i think um bringing that out would have been a lot more i love the allegory of uh, the water in a dry area and then that ties also to floods though and how floods can be dangerous too and this duality of water as life, but also water as death. I think this mm-hmm. metaphor was really, really interesting, especially connected to the magical realism aspect of everything and her own journey. Uh, so there's a lot there to like. Um, I think this is um, a very good film for a first time director. And this is what this is. And I, I really want to see what she does moving forward because the way that she plays with metaphor, the way that she plays with nature and family and relationships and generations, there's a lot there. Um, but I think just going through the watching process, um, I think it was a little bit uh, dry. I guess that's a pun in some ways, but I think it was a little bit dry <sighs> to a certain extent. Huh. All right. So yeah, not all great movies, but you know this is the this is the life we live. The life I choose. But also uh, but also if I under- if I got your vibe correctly, none of them were like bad. Um I think Kaimak was the only bad one. I would okay. not recommend yeah. anyone watch. Um the yeah. other ones like even yeah, like none of them were bad up until this point. I think the second mm. worst probably would be I guess I could rank them all. I didn't rank them all. I I, I chose a top 4. <laughs> what? <laughs> of course you did. Of course I chose a top four. What else am I going to do? Okay, so, but we haven't gone through all of the movies yet, so please tell us about the other ones. Yeah, so um, the next movie that I watched, the second to last film that I watched, was called Tel Aviv, Beirut. So you can guess where it's set. Um, This Mm -hmm. was a joint... In Argentina. Yes. Actually, (laughs) it was mostly shot in Cyprus. (laughs) Ah, there you go. Because you can't have Lebanese... Uh, and Israeli actors work in either side of the border. So they had to go to Cyprus to shoot. Mm -hmm. So um, the movie is described as with the backdrop of the 1980s Israeli-Lebanese conflict, this road movie portrays the journey of women separated from their families by the border. And it was directed by Michal Boganim. I'm really bad at Israeli names. I apologize. Um, And started Zolfa Serrat, Sarah Adler, um, Shlomi uh, Elkabetz. Crap. This is why I didn't do the names from the beginning because all, I mean, I'm really bad at names. 
we have established in many episodes. God. Even like not only remembering them, but even pronouncing them. Mm. Whatever. So um, I think this is a really interesting setting. Um, you have one Israeli uh, actor and one um, uh, Lebanese actor together in, in this film. Um, portraying both sides of the Lebanese, uh, the border. Um, it's mostly, mo- it's mainly focused on uh, the uh, on the Lebanese side, uh, on the uh, factions of the Lebanese community that actually contri- and that contributed and worked with the Israeli army. So you have this interesting place of they're living in this Muslim majority area, but they're the, the, the people who did cooperate with the Israelis were often Christian. But then you have this um, decision by the Israeli government to close the border and basically give up and leave all the Christian Lebanese to their own um, you know demise, essentially, within this uh, Muslim space. So it's a really interesting layered um, dynamic. Obviously, this Israeli Lebanese conflict is, you know, multi-layered and multi-dimensional, but I think this captures that quite well. Um, Mm -hmm. I think uh, wanting to always leave, so always this grass is greener on the other side is a theme that comes throughout this film quite a bit. Um, And I think that makes sense (laughs) on this side. Uh, and, And I think that this movie also goes through a huge time jump, which I think is to its detriment in my mind where it spends the first uh, bit of the film in 1980s and then it flips up to 2000, which is a huge time jump. And I think really it could have done a lot better if it really only focused on the 2000 side and what happened in in 1984 could have been uh, just made as backstory. You can build that into the characters a little bit. You can and you know, put a line of dialogue or whatever it may be. Um, although I did like some of the things and I actually think that the 1980s stuff was actually stronger. <laughs> it's kind of ironic, but like I think that, <laughs> but 2000 stuff is more central to the movie itself. And these women, as they have uh, come to realize their desperate situation in life and uh, their struggle of dealing with war and conflict. And I think one of the things that uh, this movie really did kind of wanted to focus on is uh, the impact that women in particular face during war. Uh, being left behind by their husbands or, you know, direct impacts of the war or having their family members die and the trauma that they have to live behind. And I think that it's a story that is not often told. So many, you know, war films are the men on the front lines or whatever it may be, this manly conflict. But war is a pervasive conflict that impacts all levels of society. And I think that this this movie really hits that note really, really well. Um, I think that one of the things that the director talks about very specifically is one of the main Israeli um, uh, characters representing the hypocrisy of Israel when it comes to this specific decision that was made. Um, I mean, I think recent, this is a very political movie, obviously (laughs) talking about the Mm -hmm. Lebanese Israeli conflict. And this is from the director herself talking about how um, Israel kind of like uh, betrayed the people who lived, uh, who their, their, they're people who they fought with on the Lebanese side of the border. And um, they, I mean, she was quite adamant about how Israel made a mistake there and designed one of the main characters of this film to kind of represent that. Um, I think what's also interesting is the layered dynamics of belonging here. So one of the women who engages with this, the one living on the Israeli side, is actually a French citizen. So you have this French citizen living in Israel, married to an Israeli guy, having an Israeli kid. This like layers of dynamics of belonging and, and, and nationality intertwining with this conflict that is a regional one, but also impacts the globe. I think is a really interesting, um, uh, you know, mix of things going on. Um, some of the music is absolutely incredible. It uses some very famous Arab artists in particular, Fairuz comes out it's a very famous artist uh, i mean anyone who speaks arabic or knows the Arab world will know that artist in particular um i think that there were some challenges in production in this film obviously if you're going to depict something on both sides obviously a limited budget for sure but uh, having to shoot in cyprus because of the political issues and wanting to use actual um actors from lebanon and actual actors from israel i think i commend the the, the actress the the film for doing that um 
I yeah, I, I just I thought it was a really interesting film. I actually it's interesting. So in my thoughts, I didn't have any like super strong positives or super strong negatives. So I think I liked this film. Um I think that it some things were unnecessary uh for the film itself. Um I I would have liked to really if they focused on one thing or another because I think that the the whole prequel in the 1980s was kind of useless. There's this like abandoned love story that also makes no sense and doesn't really belong. I think it, it was better off if they didn't have it really. Um I think that it's kind of funny. So in my notes I have this rated as like a 5 or a 6 out of 10, which is quite low actually if you think about it. Um but I think mm-hmm. that actually uh, that actually kind of tracks with it's a movie I like to watch. It's fine, uh, but I don't think I'll really think about it much in the future. I won't really remember it much in the future. Um, and I think it's like there are some funny scenes, some interesting scenes, but it didn't really, you know, hit home in the way that some of the other films hit. And now we come to the last one. Yeah, we're almost there. Almost home. <laughs> Thank you for sitting with me this whole time. Of course. And this this week, Luke, has been like months in the making, literally. <laughs> so the last one was called Mountain Woman. This was the world premiere uh, set in Japan um in the main competition section of the of the film festival and it is in late 19 late 18th century Tohoku, which is a region in northern Japan. An outcast girl, Rin, lives in a village suffering from famine. She draws strength from Mount Hayachine. Where she's where the spirits of humans ascend after passing, directed by Fukunaga Takeshi, cast uh, uh, starring Yamada Ana, who's amazing in this movie. Oh, I really loved her. Uh, Moriyama Mirai and Nagase Masatoshi. Okay, um, Yamada Ana as the lead role, absolutely incredible. I think this was amazing. I think that. Um, this movie, you know, it again a, a female-led movie, which is I think a theme for all the movies that I chose to watch in this uh, this film festival, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, she stars in my mind. Um, the movie, what also stars, is the depictions of nature and the mountain in particular. This this eerie fog that rolls over the mountain through the forest as one walks through it. This this pseudo. Um, supernatural and real um, like existence on the intersection between the supernatural and the natural world. It is absolutely incredible. This eeriness is is, is um, influenced as well by the music and this tiny little village that has different, so many different levels of of um, like uh, social norms and issues and things going on. This infighting that happens, I think. There are so many things amazing about this film. At one point, she goes to like goes into the forest, and not only is it like this overbearing mountain that's like behind in the background of this forest, like it, it really like you felt like in some ways that the mountain. You can see how you know in the past people like thought mountains and things were deities. You can really feel that in this movie, where this tiny little village is is living under the shadow of this huge mountain. And the one time, mm-hmm. at one point, she goes and lives in the mountain and like walks through it and. And it's it's just such an incredible change of scenery, and I think it does a really good job of of placing us in um, this natural world that is kind of a little bit supernatural. And I think that part is what it does really well. I think some things that it could have done better. I think it were more. I I think again, I always say this. I wish that there were more characters that were rounded out a little bit more. Um, I think. The one negative, really negative thing is the representation of some women was quite one note. Um, some of the main male characters are developed a little bit more, and that's unfortunate. I mean, despite or all, instead of the main characters, Yamada Hanna, who's like she's the main character. Outside of her, I think some of the the side female characters are quite, you know, you know the, the you know the female witchy character. It's a trope, right? It's not something that we we like to see much anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, them youths are the worst. <laughs> um, so I think that this movie is overall a really good movie, a really enjoyable watch. Some one-note things that I think are a little bit unfortunate, but overall, great film. I really enjoyed watching it. I'd really recommend you watch this one. 
Um, so some of the Q&A questions, it's really interesting to kind of think, I don't think um, any of the questions were that interesting to me, except for, I mean, they were kind of asked, the panel was asked why the story was chosen in response. They said that sexism and discrimination in the village um, are actually still relevant till today. So I think that they were asked, okay, what kind of changes do they hope that the audience would get um, in response to this film? And I think it's kind of interesting how um, they brought it back to the COVID pandemic and how victims were often blamed um, under the banner of self-responsibility. And mm-hmm. I think that was very common to what was happening in in this setting where um, those who passed away or those who were stuck dealing with the the dead bodies or whatever is were also blamed. They were victim blaming in that way. And I think that this movie, I'm not, I think the director <laughs> um, said that this movie was meant to depict the story of what people would do if they were pushed into a corner and they wanted they, the, the director was talking about the changes that they want the audience to make. And he said that, they, they hope that they could kind of depict the res- resilience and the strength of people under harsh, under harsh circumstances. And hopefully people will be more thoughtful in judging people who have to deal with struggles or whatever it may be. So I think it was a really cool message from the director themselves to kind of reflect on the meaning of their, their, their um, entire uh, film. I think um, uh, obviously nature is a really important theme of this film, probably the most important theme I was talking about. And the way that it uses natural light that kind of penetrates through the forest, I think was really real. It's not really a film that's set, ever shot indoors. It's all shot outdoors. And what's cool is that the darkness of the night scenes is really palpable. It's really cool, actually. It's eerie and mm-hmm. it's like really dark. And it kind of just goes to show, not only is it like, you know, um, enhancing the darkness, but it even brings out the light so much more. I thought it was in- incredible. And the director kind of noted that as well. So as you were t- going through all of the movies, I really couldn't help, and you pointed it out as well, how many of them were focused on women and, you know, also have a lot of the same themes like <clears throat> identity, war and oppression and gender dynamics. And I was just wondering... Was that your selection or do you did you get the feel that that was overarching topics and focus of the entire film festival? I think it's a mix of the two. I think the film mm-hmm. festival was trying actively to showcase these kinds of stories. But as, of course, I didn't have time to see all the films. I mean, I don't do this for a yeah. full-time job. So uh, <laughs> I think I, I the ones I chose were the ones that stuck out to me. And the ones that stuck out to me were people trying to you know, overcome certain things. Um, I like to kind of see uh, stories by people who kind of are, you know, historically, you know, not talked about as much, right? And these kinds of worlds. And mm-hmm. I think that was really interesting. So that's not, but not only was that the case for me, geographical diversity was really important to me as well. I wanted to see stories that were told in different settings and different places. And I think that really highlighted to me the incredible culture of cinema that's still out there and how much great cinema around the world is being created so i think that this show really just uh you know highlights so much that to me hmm. Hmm, interesting yeah i mean i i really like that film festivals like that now take steps to just include a more diverse range of perspectives and yeah it's it's a great great to hear that on tiff it also you know that also occurred and yeah just on very different uh you know the intersectionality basically of of like different geographic and gender and everything else um you know perspectives so that's great to hear so but now i can't wait to hear your overall impressions and you know of the of the your top four Of course. <laughs> Obviously. What's interesting to me is that while I think this in, this experience had many good films, I don't think there was any that were just like, holy crap, like this is an amazing mm. thing from beginning to end. All movies had flaws. All movies, um, I think, 
could have been better, I guess. So when I talk about my top four, I think I talk about it often in terms of how memorable it'll be and how much I would like to recommend people to watch this because of something mm-hmm. that I like. So I don't know if these are like going to be objectively the best ones, um, but I think that uh, for me, these are the ones in the way that I would rank them. So um, I, I guess as all of our top fours are, but... I was going to say, everything is subjective. <laughs> So I think I'm going to begin with my number four. My number four was uh, Mountain Woman, the last film I talked about. I think it's a great mm-hmm. film. Um, I think I'd really recommend that. Uh, number three uh, was A Light Never Goes Out. That's the film set in Hong Kong about the neon sign maker. I think that was mm-hmm. a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Uh, number two is, and this is really hard. I'm really stuck between my top two, but I'm going to leave it at number two was The Chord of Life. I think mm-hmm. the cinematography in that film is something I will absolutely never forget. Incredible film. Um, the themes of dementia and the relationship between the mother and son were, wow, incredible. Something is, is just, it's just a journey that you go on that is, is unforgettable. And the number one film that I'd recommend would be 1976. I think that film is probably the most complete film beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And I think that had uh, the best acting of all these films. And I think that. It is. It kind of really takes you on a ride. And ironically, that was this film was uh, a backup film for me. I didn't mean to see this one. I meant to see another <laughs> one, but scheduling conflict meant I get to see this one. So I'm glad I got mm-hmm. to see it. It was a joy to watch. And all this film, the whole experience was great. If you live in a major like market, uh, check out if you have a local um, film festival. I'd really recommend going to check it out. Get a pass. They're really cheap films. I would watch all these for like five bucks, six dollars. Like these were cheap films to go watch. Go support the local artists. Go support your film festivals. This is how cinema is built. To get to movies like, you know, last year we were talking about Coda, talking about Belfast, talking about some of the greatest films of the year. To get to that, you come through these film festivals. So we need to kind of, no, we don't need to. We don't have to do anything. You can sit in your bed and be a, like, you know, be a banana for the rest of your life. But other, if you're not... <laughs> Like, go out and support these movies because this kinds of, uh, you know, cul- uh, cultivating these kinds of movies and this kind of culture, I think, is really, really important for the future of cinema. So let's do it. Do it. Keep going. Also, um, <laughs> for people who are interested, you should also sign up for MUBI, M-U-B-I, oh, yeah. which is a streaming service Absolutely. that, uh, you know, caters towards art cinema and gives you, like, daily recommendations and I think is a really high recommendation. Cancel your Netflix and subscribe to MUBI instead. Oh, yeah. I couldn't agree more. And yeah, you heard it here first, folks. Support the arts. They're important and they will give you a lot. Says two people who talk about Star Wars for half the year. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very original statement as well. Um, But yeah, Rashad, thank you so much for taking us on a tour of your experience of the Tokyo International Film Festival. I've learned a lot. My long list of movies to watch has gotten uh, some nice additions thank you so much for that and i can't wait to check all of them out and i can't wait for my film festival here so yeah just ah i miss talking about movies maybe i should do that more um thank you so much rashad and uh, yeah i hope the listeners enjoyed it as much as i did Always a pleasure. Uh, if you enjoyed listening to this, um, give us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't done that yet and you're still listening to this, please just give us a rating. Come on, like, what are you doing? Takes like five seconds. I know, right? Just five stars. Just say whatever you want. And after that, you're done and you've supported the show. Thank you so much. And without further ado, I'm waiting for you to say bye. Damn it. Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah. Bye.